Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Wakis-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. Marketing is telling the world you are a rock star. Content marketing is showing the world you are one. Robert Rose. Hello, my peak performers. How are you doing today? Welcome to episode 120 of the Entrepreneurial You podcast. I'm Henneke Watkins-Porto. Today's episode is with Nathan Ursh. Nathan is a 29-year-old longtime entrepreneur and expert in the remote hiring and e-commerce business. He started his first e-commerce business out of his college dorm room and has sold over 30 million US dollars online. He is now the co-founder and CEO of FreeUp.com, a marketplace that connects businesses with pre-vetted virtual assistants, freelancers, and agencies in e-commerce, digital marketing, and much more. He regularly appears on leading podcasts such as Entrepreneur on Fire and speaks at live events about online hiring tactics. I'm so looking forward to our conversation on the ins and outs of running an e-commerce business. Welcome, Nathan. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. Before we dive in, have you ever visited Jamaica? Not visited Jamaica, but it's on my to-do list. Okay. And why are you looking forward to that, may I ask? I don't know. I love exotic places. I mean, I've been to Costa Rica. I'm going to Croatia soon. For some reason, I haven't made it to Jamaica, but it's on my list. We are going to get right into it and talk about the ins and outs of running an e-commerce business. You have had enormous success in that area. Now, tell us about the Nathan entrepreneurial story. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a broke college kid back in 2008. I, I had done a lot of summer jobs and internships and I really just realized that I hated working for other people. So I kind of looked at college as a ticking clock. I had four years to create my own business or else I was going to go into the real world and be miserable for the rest of my life. So I started hustling when I was in college. I created a textbook business. I would buy people's books at the end of the semester, resell them at the beginning of next semester. And from there, I created a referral program and I lines out the door to the point where, where I got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off. <laughs> so I had to pivot a little bit. I had sold some books on Amazon. This was back in 2008 before people knew what Amazon was. And I started experimenting with outdoor products, video games, computers, and I just failed over and over and over again. And it wasn't until I branched out of my comfort zone and found the baby product industry that my business really took off. So if you can imagine me as a 20-year-old single college guy selling baby products on Amazon, that was me. And I scaled this business. I thought I should probably pay taxes. So I met with an accountant. And the first thing he asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrugged him off. Like, why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. That's they're going to hurt my idea. They're going to steal. They're going to steal stuff from my business. And he just laughed in my face over and over. <laughs> and I, I really adapted to that. And I said, okay, I'm going to hold off hiring for now. But my first busy season came around the fourth quarter and I just get destroyed. I'm working 20 hours a day. My social life plummets, my grades go down and I make it out to January. And I think to myself, man, I can never let that happen again. I need to start hiring. 
So I post a job on Facebook. I hire the first person that responds, ends up being an amazing hire, my business partner, Connor. And so there I am thinking, man, this hiring thing is easy. All you do is post a job, people show up and, and it makes your job easier. You make more money. And I just proceed to make bad hire after bad hire after bad hire, quickly giving up on college kids, moving to the remote hiring world, the Upworks, the Fivers. And I always just hated having to post a job and get 50 applicants and interview them one by one. And I wanted a better, faster way. So three years ago, I launched the FreeUp platform um, where we get thousands of applicants every week and vet them for skill, attitude, and communication while not making people browse. And they can just put in a request and we fill it. And on the back end, great customer support that I always wanted and that no turnover guarantee where people quit, we cover replacement costs. So that was really how I went from a broke college kid to starting my Amazon business to building free up based on my own hiring needs on the other platform. So we want to talk about the e-commerce aspects of your business. How did you really get started? Like this is this is what I'm going to be doing. What are some of the challenges that you faced with outside of the hiring challenge in running your e-commerce business? What are some of the challenges that you faced? Yeah, so I was doing drop shipping. Drop shipping is when you're selling a product that you don't have inventory on, but you're, you're, you have a relationship with a supplier, a manufacturer, and um, they ship it to your end consumer. So when you're doing drop shipping, there, there's a lot of quality assurance issues because you're not you're not actually seeing the product, you're not touching the product, you're not examining the product. So it becomes all about quality assurance. You're relying on other people, other manufacturers. So, I mean, step one is creating the actual relationship with them where you can build trust and know that they're going to actually do what they say they're going to do. Then it's about monitoring. So when they send a tracking number, you have to check it and make sure it's going to the right place and follow up and make sure it gets delivered. And then it's also about keeping data and, and having quality assurance where, hey, if this manufacturer is having too many issues, too many returns, too many broken shipments, communicating that with the man manufacturer and working to to make it better or eventually dropping them. So it really all becomes this quality assurance game how do you go about managing a manufacturer, managing products that you're selling over and over and over every day without actually touching or seeing the product? And how did you solve those, even in terms of customer service? Was also customer service part of that dropshipping arrangement? Did they handle dropship uh, customer service or was it handled by you? No, we handle customer service. That was kind of our selling point to the manufacturers is, is that we we would handle getting the sales and the customer service afterwards, and they would handle the shipping and the fulfillment. So that, that was kind of our relationship. And customer service has always been something I'm really passionate about. I learned it at a young age. I, even now with FreeUp, I mean, customer service is one of our main differentiators. We have 24-7 support. I'm available. We want people to, to feel like, they're, like we're there for them and we have their back. And very similar on the Amazon business. Even if they have the smallest issue, we want to make it right as fast as possible. And so you mentioned a few challenges in our prior uh, question. How did you mitigate? Um, you can select any one of those challenges that you you can say for sure that you were able to mitigate against as you you know delve into the world of e-commerce and drop shipping. Yeah. So I mean, eventually we created software that would track shipments and keep track of data. But upfront, we would we created a team of virtual assistants in the Philippines, and their job for eight hours a day was to go through every order. 
and, and make sure that it gets delivered to the customer. And we had a system to notify us if, if things were delayed so that we could update the customer, how to handle issues, how to report it back to the manufacturer. So it was a ton of manual work. I mean, we're talking about thousands and thousands of orders every week that had to be checked one by one. And, and we had to come up with a system and process that would work time in and time out that could be repeated every single day that would essentially catch big issues before they became big issues. So that was really our main focus. Oh, that sounds absolutely fantastic. And you know what I'm recognizing? You are my second guest in two weeks who have mentioned that the Philippines is where predominantly their hires are coming from. Now, I want to get from your standpoint, what is it about Filipino workers that make them perfect for outsourcing? They learn English in school. They have A lot of them have communication backgrounds. So they, they work in call centers a lot. They, they have experience working U.S. hours. They, they speak English at a high level, but not just speaking English. They, they understand um, U.S. culture and U.S. customs. Obviously, the, the price point is there. Um, their cost of living in the Philippines is really low. For me, the main reason was my initial VAs were from the Philippines. And I, and I grew with them. I have some of them that have been working with me for eight plus years. And they referred their friends who told more people, who told more people. So I kind of have that presence in the Philippines now that all based on, was all based on this small team of people um, that I had back in the day. So that, that's kind of me. But I mean, right now, our platform is 40% US, 40% Philippines and 20% scattered. But yeah, I mean, if people in the Philippines tend to be perfect for for those type of roles. I also get that they're not quite um, entrepreneurial. So they have no intention of stealing your business ideas and wanting to take over your business. So there's a level of trustworthiness that, you know, and that element is absolutely critical for business ventures. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it's tough to take one culture and put them all in one category, right? And so I personally found that the VAs, and I've got 45 VAs that I use, and we've got thousands on the platform, are, are very trustworthy. They do a, an amazing job. But it's like anything else. It depends on the person, not necessarily where they're from. Absolutely. And I take that, you know, even a lot of times I ask person standard questions about Jamaica and sometimes persons will talk about, um, you know, the areas of poverty and so on and, 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 and crime and, and so on. But the truth is, you know, you can't necessarily just, um, you know, use one experience to kind of paintbrush everybody else. Right. So I do get that. But um, but we have, you know, we have a standard that we can work towards uh, for each country and we know what to expect. So amazing. All right. I want to get into the hiring part and the delegating of your e-commerce business and just e-commerce in general. Like, you know, you're not thinking about holding inventories and some person still think that, yes, you know, you have to have a warehouse of inventory. I mean, I know, for example, there is fulfilled by Amazon, you know, that a lot of persons can take advantage of. So for persons who are considering going into this space, I want to get a sense of what is the process like and some of the considerations to be made. I mean, you have to keep in mind, I got in back in 2008. I mean, it's completely different now. It's saturated. You can't make a quick bucket. It's really all about building your brand now. I mean, that, that's what you have to do. You can't just run an Amazon business or a Shopify business. You need to build a brand. That means you need to have patents and trademarks. That means you have to build a following and a community um, of people that really like your products. It means you have to market it and have social media. So Amazon can be one avenue for selling your products now, whereas before it could be everything. But if you're not focused on big picture, on building the brand, it, it's only get, it's only going to take you so far. And so this rapidly freelance economy that, you know, that is growing, 
Um, how can you give us some insight or what kind of an insight rather can you give us into taking advantage of that, leveraging that to uh, start businesses for those of us who are considering starting a business for the very first time and may not be sure what exactly they want to do. Freelancing is not for everyone. You have to really look at yourself as a business owner where you have to do all aspects of your business. You have to do marketing and lead generation to get clients. You have to come up with systems and processes to get work out there. You have to um, handle issues and do customer service on your, on your own freelance business. Not every client is going to be rainbows and butterflies. Now, all their benefits and perks, yeah, you get flexibility. You get all the benefits that an entrepreneur gets to, to control your own, own pay and have lots of potential out there. Um, but there are some downsides to it too. And it's not for everyone. There can be inconsistent work. It can take a little bit to build up, but we live in an amazing time where the gig economy is booming. The opportunities are becoming more and more as more businesses turn towards remote hiring and, and you can really take advantage of it if that's something that, that fits your lifestyle. And how do we scale an e-commerce business? Is it, you know, is it easy to scale? I would never say anything's easy to scale. I mean, like I kind of said before, it's all about building a brand. If you have a loyal followers that believe it in your product, that care about your community and, and your message, that's what it's all about. Then you've got people hooked. You can get repeat customers. If you just want to get make a product and put it on Amazon and, and make a little bit of money, it's not going to get you that far now. There's too much competition. There's too much saturation. There's too many copycats. So not, nothing's easy. It, it's just like growing any other business. There, there's failures and, and success. But if you're focused on the big picture of building your brand, I mean, e-commerce isn't going anywhere. It's only getting bigger and bigger. And the type of mindset that needs to have success in this business, what kind of mindset is that we're talking about? I think it's the same mindset as any entrepreneur. I mean, when you get, when you're at the top and things are going well, you have to stay humble and know that you're, you're one thing away from, from going down. And if you are having a bad week or a bad month, you have to stay positive and, and learn, look at everything as lessons. And how can I, how can I improve? How can I get better? How can I, how can I learn from others? It, that's really the mentality you have to take as a business owner is, is become numb to the ups and downs and, and focus more on the big picture and learning from your mistakes. And someone is sitting in their college dorm room right now, just, you know, you started your business pretty much from your college dorm room and someone is in your position right now in, in your place and they're listening to this conversation. What one piece of advice would you give to that person, you know, wanting to start this business, start a similar business? Don't listen to what everyone else is telling you. Like you, if you if you don't want to go get a real job, if, you, if you're not happy working for other people, then don't do it. Pursue your passion. It's never been easier to start a business. You can do it with a few thousand dollars or even less some internet and a computer. I mean, when else in the history of, of the world could you start a business with such a little barrier to entry? So take risks while you're younger, experiment. I mean, you never know what, what's going to happen. You never know what business, what direction business is going to take you. And, and maybe you do want to go out and get a job there. There's pros and cons to that too. There's some stability. Although I would argue that even if you get a job that you could get fired at, at any time. So for me, that's my advice. And you talk about risk. What's the biggest, uh, your biggest entrepreneurial failure, would you say? So years ago, and I'll give you a short version. I hired a, a manager of the day. I tr spent six months training him and I got him to run my entire business. On the flip side, I had one supplier who was doing 85% of my business and I didn't want to care about the other 15. I said, let's only work with this supplier. I get my business on autopilot with one person running it, one supplier. I go on vacation and on the first day of my vacation, he quits on me and my supplier drops me on the same day. 
So I go from running this great business to starting all over again. For, for me, that was a, a huge letdown. I, all of my hard work for two years went down the drain and it was devastating. I learned a lot about diversification and putting eggs, eggs in all, all in one basket, but it was a very valuable lesson for me. And even now I diversify in all parts of my business from different revenue channels to hiring different teams for different things to not working with one supplier. So to me, it was a very valuable lesson. Your final thought, and even as you give your final thought, Nathan, I also want you to share your contact information where our listeners can get in touch with you. If you go to Fruit.com with three E's, my calendar is right at the top. You can book a free free meeting with me. On the flip end, if you create an account, mention this podcast, you get that $25 credit, but you can also check out our blog, our YouTube channel, and our podcast, The Outsourcing and Scaling Show, which has a lot of great content about hiring. And final thoughts from you regarding e-commerce business, the ins and out of it? Yeah, I mean, we just live in an exciting time. Learn learn from, there's a lot of just great gurus out there that are teaching e-commerce. Start following them, start learning, start doing trial and error, focusing on low risk, high reward situations. Thank you so much. My guest has been Nathan Ersch, and here we are at the end of our conversation. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in to this episode with Nathan Ersch. I look forward to connecting with you next time. Until next week, I'm Henneke Watkins-Porter. Remember, visit HennekeWatkinsPorter.com to sign up for one of my podcast coaching, in-person workshop, or online course, among other resources. Remember, you were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. What good? Attention! LeaderCast Women is an inspirational one-day leadership event featuring renowned female leaders. Male and female audience members alike will leave LeaderCast Women with the tools they need to become leaders worth following. Attend the event via simulcast at Nutsford Court Hotel on October 18. To learn more, visit HennekeWatkinsPorter.com or call 849-2571. We needed to raise capital, but our experience with local financial institutions was that they were cautious and slow to act, and interest rates were far too high. We had real concerns about financing our business through outside equity investors and the possibility of interference. Could we get a fair valuation for our business? We had our own ideas about the business and its value. Should I go the traditional route of bank financing? or should I try the Jamaica Stock Exchange? So we made a call and experienced transformation of our business through conversations. I'm John Mafood, CEO of Jamaican Teas, and we're listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Give us a call today at 876-967-3271 to begin your transformation through conversation. We want to see your company listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange.